0: Hello everyone and happy Monday. Um, A few housekeeping things here at the top of the episode. Uh, First, I must be officially making it as a podcaster because on our last episode I had a rainstorm going on and on this episode my neighbors have decided to build a second edition on their house. So I imagine for the foreseeable future that my episodes will have construction noises in the background um thankfully the the cranes that they were using to put up the um, scaffolding for the house are over uh but now we've got nail guns going off pretty much constantly so if you hear that noise in the background that is what that is about um and secondly, is a little bit of an update about Henrietta the Crossbeak Chicken. If you've heard me talk about her on previous episodes or have been following along on Instagram at untraditionallytraditionalpod, you, I'm sure, have seen Henrietta, who is our Crossbeak Chick that we ended up with. Uh, funny story, we actually ordered six chicks from the hatchery and they gave them to us in. A takeout bag and, and I kid you not it was a, a paper bag with some pine chips in the bottom and these chicks in there and so they were really jumbled in there and I swore I counted six and I told uh, the gentleman that when he went to add a another chick in there and he said no 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 this is your New Hampshire red there's definitely not one in there this is your sixth chick got it home which is about 45 minutes 50 minutes away Um, and dumped out this takeout bag into their brooder box and lo and behold we did have seven chicks. A couple, well really only like a week went by before we started noticing Henrietta's beak developing cross beak which is where the top and bottom portions of the beak do not line on top of one another perpendicularly they start to uh, one goes left and one goes right creating a cross beak or scissor beak. Um, it continues to grow for their first six months of life and even further into life uh, but makes it really difficult for them to eat so at first with Henrietta we were having no problems She was self-eating fully. Uh, her crop is full. She was gaining weight. Something they say you should do with crossbeak chicks is to weigh them daily to make sure that they are putting on weight and then all of a sudden she didn't gain weight and then she started losing weight and that was pretty scary because at this point in their, um, in their lives, they need to be gaining weight. They're chicks. They should be growing every single day. So for her to be losing weight was a pretty big deal. I started feeding her uh, egg, um, a beaten egg with a syringe three times a day while I waited for what's called AHS or avian health shake to arrive, which is a very fine powdered food that has all sorts of nutrients in it. Um, you read the ingredients and it's like chickpea flour, almond flour, oregano, thyme. Like it actually smells delicious. And <laughs> so I was like, what is in this? But yeah, all things you can pronounce really nutrient dense packed food. And we were able to give her that. But um, it became pretty apparent that at best case scenario, even if we were to get Henrietta to live, that she is definitely going to be a cross-beak chicken that requires hand-feeding two to three times a day, which um, is more than Johnson and I can take on at this stage in our lives. And it was a really hard decision. I hope that everyone... Anyone, if you do reach out, that you will be uh, kind about it. Honestly, if, if you have personal feelings about our decision with Henrietta um, that are not supportive, I'll, I'll ask that you just keep them to yourself because it, it was a really hard decision for us to rehome her. Um, we thought that that was the best case scenario. We had talked to various vets on the phone who, you know, kind of looked at us like we were crazy, like, well, she can't eat on her own. Um, you know, you should call her, which is Uh, chicken term or animal term for, um, you know, uh, euthanizing the chick, uh, which obviously we did not want to do. Um, We are both huge animal lovers and anything that you syringe feed three times a day, you create a really close bond with. Um, So through these Facebook groups that I had joined specifically for Crossbeak Chickens and how to care for them, I had met a woman named Talene, who is a a saint honestly Johnson calls her the chicken whisperer and she is uh, I reached out to her and asked if if she had any advice but more importantly would she be willing to take Henrietta in she runs uh, it's in the process of becoming a nonprofit, but a chicken animal rescue um, and immediately she was like yes absolutely um, you know I can meet you or, or when can you come and Talene lives just south of Salt Lake City which is about six hours away from us um, and so I, I made the decision. I said, No, no, I'll I'll take the day off work and drive to drop her off. And so that was what I did on Friday. And I'm I'm so glad I did because Talene was so, so sweet, and we spent over two hours. She was showing me um, her setup there, all of the special needs chickens that she has taken in, many of which cross beak, some that had been. Um, attacked by a dog. She has a chicken that is completely blind, um, some that have difficulty walking, um, and then a number of crossbeaks. And then in addition to that, she has all sorts of chickens that are uh, able-beaked, as she calls them, that they, they are able to eat on their own, but also rescue situations. In Salt Lake City um, or Utah in general, some of their shelters are not no-kill shelters. And so Rather than the chickens being euthanized, she adopts them and then tries to rehome them or keeps them in her her rescue flock. So she had names for all of them. They were all so hand tame. She has six dogs that she has also rescued. All of which are. So friendly with the chickens, same with cats. She's rescued many cats from the shelters as well that were going to be euthanized and they are all great with the chickens. There's actually one that is kind of dubbed the chicken protector there that will chase off raccoons or other cats or um, you know, only lets certain cats in with the chickens. So she, this one cat like runs runs the roof, so to speak, and really keeps them safe but, meeting lean and seeing where Henrietta was going to be uh, really helped to bring uh, peace to my heart and know that she is in the right place. It was a very hard decision to decide that I am not the best, you know, mama for her. I am not able to give her the care. She still wasn't really gaining weight where I'd like her to be gaining weight. I mean, a little bit, but still tube feeding. I had tried giving her what's called torpedoes, which are food um, that you roll basically into like little sausages it's kind of like a play-doh consistency you add water to it and roll it into these sausages and the idea is that you can hand feed them and these and it was recommended to me over and over try giving her torpedoes I would try Uh, she just wasn't having it rightfully so I'm trying to shove food in her beak she was not happy about it it was hard for me so we stuck with syringe feeding and about you know 17 minutes after I had left Talene she's like sent me a photo of her look at her full crop I just got her to eat a bunch of torpedoes so she is the chicken whisperer and um yeah has been so sweet with Henrietta so it was a very tearful goodbye but we know that she is going to be in the right place with Talene and and her new flock she is going to be part of a chicken special needs flock where they're she's going to be with at least seven other crossbeaks and Talene doesn't rehome these crossbeaks she knows that she is the best care they can get and so um, she doesn't rehome them and it was so nice seeing them have you know their own flock where they're not getting picked on by other chickens and uh, they can not only survive but thrive so that's an update on Henrietta we are now down to six chicks, which was our original plan and I really believe that this was a God thing you know uh, My family was very supportive and said not many people would drive Six hours to rehome a chicken. So, you know view it how you will that we got an extra chicken and then had You know Henrietta with her cross beak. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to get her where she needs to be um, and provide that care so it was a busy weekend with all of that and well I'm sorry I've talked for seven minutes and this is not what this episode is about it's about um, scheduling summer fun which I'd be lying if I said that I didn't put off recording this episode because I just didn't know how to tackle it we had you know all of this going on with Henrietta uh, here we are at the end of June and Johnson and I had not planned our summer fun I felt like a fraud and I you know just felt like I was failing about scheduling summer fun. How am I supposed to talk about it if I'm not doing it myself? And then, you know, I think that that is really true for everybody. How often do we feel like we know we should be doing fun things, but we just don't put pen to paper and write them down. Or even if we do, they just don't come off. We're tired at the end of the day. Uh, We end up canceling plans, that kind of thing. So... Um, It's not a fail because all of it gave me the kick in the butt I needed to get in gear and plan some fun for our summer and I'm going to share with you how I did it to make it more manageable in case you're in a similar boat struggling to take hold of your summer schedule and put some fun things on the calendar too. I decided to group things into twos because currently our family is Johnson, myself, and say to the golden retriever, of course, and our chickens. But while uh, everyone deserves to have a joyful summer, um, we decided to leave it to the human family members to contribute ideas to the summer fun categories, which we created seven of which. If you have multiple children, you may choose less categories so that every family member gets to contribute. Um, But we'll talk about alternate versions shortly. So our first category is two concerts. Throughout the summer, Johnson and I will go to at least two concerts. Planning is important here because you want to get tickets. You may want to extend the invitation to friends. You need to drive to another city or town to see the band you're interested in. Um, Luckily in Boise, a lot of music comes here. But when we lived in Charleston, a lot of times you had to drive if you wanted to see um, a certain group that was coming maybe to um, Atlanta or to Charlotte North Carolina so in different views there Uh, Johnson and I both enjoy live music and concerts feel like the perfect summer activity especially here in Boise because we've got some really great outdoor venues which is fun Um, so that was our first category concerts our second category is to eat out at two new restaurants with outdoor dining two key aspects there new and outdoor dining how often do we end up going back to our same old favorite restaurants there's nothing wrong with that but with the excuse for outdoor summer dining i want to give two new spots to try outdoor dining is also fun because we can usually bring sage and she gets to partake which is great flip side of that category three is two indoor local activities This one is crucial because usually summer activities scream sunshine and warm weather but let's face it throughout summer you are likely to face a rainy day or two and so it's a good idea to have some indoor activities predetermined for when these days present one of mine is a cheat because it's a indoor outdoor but i haven't been to our boise botanical garden yet and this summer i'd love to visit another one is the boise art museum Look into what events are happening at your local museums, aquariums, insectariums, zoos, uh, and go and take an advantage. My husband's family does a lot of work in New Orleans with the Ottoman Nature Institute, and um, because of our family connection, I follow the activities that they put on. And there's so many great activities, not only for children, but for adults. And so uh, go and see what your city has to offer and take advantage of it. The flip side of that is two outdoor activities. Caveat here because Johnson and I spend a lot of time outdoors it's one of the things that we bonded over when we first met we like to hike and fly fish and rock climb and be outside in the mountains whenever we can so I had to think outside of our traditional hiking fishing options because those are a given for us on our summer bucket list we will hike we will fish. Um, those are are not unique things so to speak so I wanted to think of two outdoor unique activities that we don't do all the time so one of them is to hunt for morels which we actually did this weekend when I drove back from Stanley or from Salt Lake City I drove to Stanley which is where our family has a cabin and we Looked around there for morels. This was actually my second time this summer uh, looking for them, and we have been stumped both times. So still waiting to check that off of my bucket list. I should say hunt and find morels because I really would love to uh, find morels. And for those of you that don't know about morels, they are a type of mushroom that are absolutely delicious. You need to cook them, but if you cook them up in some butter, they are, are so good on pretty much anything in a pasta on a burger on just like mushroom toast with a poached egg Gordon Ramsay has a really good recipe for mushroom toast with a poached egg that we usually follow when we do have morels Um, but they can't be reproduced in or by people I should say They've studied morels. There's no real rhyme or reason why they grow where they do. They're said to be liked, um, that they like burnt areas where there's been a previous wildfire. Uh, but some we found them sometimes not on a burnt area. And they come back every year, usually in the same spot. Um, but obviously, it's very temperamental in terms of temperature and the dryness, rain, when they pop up. So our first two times have been stumped, but we are not giving up. My second activity is to float the Boise River, which is a a thing to do here in Boise. It's a lot of fun. You get different types of floats. You can do friends and kind of tie yourselves together and just float the river, especially once we're in the, the 90 degree range of temperature. It's really nice to get in the water and just relax and float the river. So think about what outdoor activities you find fun, what your family finds fun, Maybe what you don't do often or have never done, but want to try and put them on your summer fun bucket list. Next up was two picnics. Growing up, my second mom, Trudy, had this super cute picnic basket that I always admired and Maybe it's why picnics are on my summer bucket list. Johnson doesn't know this yet, but I want him to pack one and pick the spot and then for me to do the same on another picnic adventure. That way each of us gets a nice surprise as to what we are eating, where we're going uh, to enjoy the meal. Speaking of meals, our sixth category is hosting friends for meals. Twice over the summer, I would like to host a group of friends for a meal, whether that be a Sunday brunch or dinner around the fire pit. Community is important to me and hosting friends is a way to invite them into your home and family space and let them know you value what they add to your lives and that you want them to be a part of the meal. And last but not least is two camping weekends. Last summer, we let the entire summer go by without getting in our tent for a camping trip and we're going to really try to not do that again this year. We'll probably book these weekends late August, potentially early September, which may not be quote summer for some of you, but we do like to camp when the weather is more tolerable and living with such close access to the mountains, we have that luxury. So that's it seven categories and 14 events to fill our summer with fun as a recap they are two concerts two new restaurants with outdoor dining two indoor local activities two outdoor activities two picnics two times hosting friends for a meal and two camping weekends johnson will pick one for each category and i'll pick the other As I mentioned earlier, if you have two kids, you might choose four categories and then have each family contribute. Parents, I think this is important because you're always, you know, then contributing each member. It shows your kids that you prioritize joy in your lives and the fun doesn't stop when you're an adult. So you get to choose some of the activities, but also that you value what they want to do and you want them to contribute as well. Logistically, Ask yourself a few questions once your list of categories and activities is established, one of which being factored throughout the process so that you don't let anyone down. The first is time. Look at your schedule and your spouse's schedule and your kid's schedule. Realistically, how much free time do you have to fill? Plan accordingly. The second is budget and this is one I think that should be factored in throughout the process. As adults, we tend to self-regulate, but with kids, this can be tough. An option would be to create three categories. Category A is the more expensive things to do. Out of this category, they can pick one activity they really want to do. Category B are the middle expense items, maybe activities you need to buy supplies for, Or something like that you can let them pick two categories or two activities from this category and then category three is the the free category activities that are fun don't cost a dime let them pick three from this category at the end of the exercise you will have six activities per child and they came from a list you generated and pre-established that were activities you are comfortable participating in financially the third question to ask yourself is What is the status of my equipment needed for my summer activities and do I need to replace anything or add anything? For example, Johnson and I will go through our camping box and we'll get our tent out. Doesn't need any patches. How are our sleeping bags looking? Do we need fuel canisters? Do we have them on hand, lighters, matches, or do we need to pick some up? Evaluating what you need for an activity at the beginning of summer allows you to be more spontaneous when the weather is beautiful and you want to hit the road and go camping, That you've already completed an inventory and you know you can just grab that gear and be set and that you're not thinking, oh gosh, we have to do a lot of work to be able to actually go do this thing. Let's do it another weekend. Pre-knock all that out so that you are just ready to go. I hope you find these different lists helpful in your summer planning. Don't feel bad if you haven't gotten to it yet. There's still lots of summer left. That's what I'm telling myself. So do not feel bad. Know that there will be fun activities that pop up spontaneously and that this list serves as a bucket list of things you definitely want to participate in before fall comes around. Join me back here next week where I'll be talking about my top 10 kitchen must-haves. Thank you for listening to this episode of Untraditionally Traditional. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with those special people who would love it too and write a review. For more tips and photos of my home and garden, Follow untraditionally traditional pod on Instagram. Until next week, let's continue to make our homes places of joy and service to ourselves and those we share them with.